When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly View system deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. So hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, a show where we discuss all the latest news, gossip and events and relay that back to you for your listening and viewing pleasure, depending on which platform you choose to listen to us on. And after what has seemed like an eternity of a break, the only thing longer, slightly longer, was the winter break. But we are finally here. It is race week for the Emiliana Romagna Grand Prix. Pronounce that one correctly. Of course, for argument's sake, let's stick with the Imola Grand Prix. And I am joined once again by my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine. And Courtney, before we get started, first of all, hello. Welcome to you, of course. How are you? And also, what have you been up to in this long extended break since the Bahrain Grand Prix? All right, first of all, I'm feeling great because it's April and West Ham United are sitting in full. I'm absolutely <laughs> buzzing about that. And also, for those of you in the UK, happy pub and haircut day. It's been a long time coming and it is. It's a real feeling of things really getting back to some kind of normality. And I'm really pleased. There's a buzz. There's a buzz about the community at the moment here and um, really good times all around, mate. Can't complain. Yeah, everyone is certainly feeling a lot better about things at the moment. Of course, lockdown restrictions are being eased in the UK as of today. Hopefully, it sets us on the right path to getting back to some level of normality. Of course, some of us haven't quite taken advantage of being able to go get their hair cut as of yet, but I'm certainly booked in soon, so hopefully I'll be looking a lot more sharper in the coming That's days. I've got hat on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just to cover up that barnet for a little bit longer. But, um, exactly, yeah, the old bowl cut. Good times ahead, hopefully, as we enter the summer months. But of course, Courtney, as you mentioned, we are now in race week. It seems an eternity after Lewis Hamilton crossed the line to win the Bahrain Grand Prix. The opening round of the 2021 Formula One season left us with so many talking points, so much buzz and excitement for the year ahead. And now we are fast approaching the second Grand Prix of the season, the Imola Grand Prix, only days away now. And of course, it's that time again where we go through the predictions. But of course, we're going to change this up. We are going to go through your predictions, our listeners, our followers who have kindly submitted them to us on our social media pages. Of course, if you haven't followed us already on social media, the handles are below, as you can see dnf1 underscore official on instagram and twitter of course so make sure to get following those if you can and of course don't forget to subscribe to the youtube channel as well and if you enjoyed the video make sure to like and share as well so the first of those let's go to the instagram followers first courtney i believe that you've had quite a yep. few responses which is good we're getting more responses from our followers keep them coming in guys we will feature those on the podcast so make sure to get those in if you want yours read out on the show Right, well, I've picked a couple out. First of all, uh, from the lads on the uh, Will to Will podcast, who's, um, you know, who appeared on a previous episode. Good stuff, do go check them out. They've predicted a Red Bull 1 and 3. And I think that's a fairly accurate uh, prediction. And obviously, we're going to be going on to our predictions later, so I'd like to go back to that later on. And the second one from George Allen, otherwise known as the Lego Man. Um, <laughs> he has said that Mazepin... Mazepin last doesn't care about the rest. I think he's making his feelings about that particular driver pretty clear. 
Yeah, I, I've noticed a lot of people very much enjoying Nikita Mazepin's misfortunes and poking fun. I mean, we're of no exception. We did the exact same thing in both of our recaps of the Bahrain Grand Prix. Of course, we did the longer one on a regular podcast, which you can check out if you haven't done so already. Please check that out. Of course, one of our other podcast episodes that got to over a thousand views. So thank you, everyone that has checked that out. And of course, we are now running a new series where we're basically doing an entire review of the F1 Grand Prix that happened this season in the amount of time it takes the respective pole position sitter to complete their lap in Q3. Of course, the Bahrain Grand Prix, we did a recap of that, which you can check out if you click on the link above. That was a race review we did of Max Verstappen, um, Max Verstappen's pole time. We did the entire Bahrain Grand Prix in 89 seconds, which is around about how long it took Max to do his lap. So definitely check that out. It was a lot of fun making those. And if you haven't already, definitely check out those videos. Great stuff on those. But as I said, yeah, Nikita Mazepin, he's got a lot to prove in this second race. I imagine after the tumultuous time that he must have had over the winter break, of course, from his own volition, so you, can only, you, you can't necessarily feel sorry for his actions. But that aside, he would have been hoping to forget all of that, banish that into the into the history books and just get on with what he obviously knows how to do best and that's racing. And unfortunately for him, it, it couldn't have gone any worse, really, after three corners spinning out, claiming he was trying to avoid Mick Schumacher. But in fairness, Mick Schumacher was quite a bit down the road. Um, so I'm not sure that excuse really had much merit to it. He will be hoping for better fortunes in the Emily Grand Prix. And to be honest, Courtney, I suppose that would probably come in the form of actually finishing the race, not necessarily mm. beating his teammate, although that would be very much the cherry on the cake. I had a bit of a fault, right? When I read that question from George, I had a bit of a fault. And if we have a crazy race, and for whatever reason, the kick to Mazepin scores a point before George Russell gets his first point for Williams, there's going to be an absolute meltdown on, on F1 social media. Seriously, it's going to be mm. insufferable. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Yeah, I mean, a lot would have to happen for Nikita yeah. Mazepin to score. I mean, I'll be honest with you, it's going to be the same for Mick Schumacher. I mean, Mick Schumacher came 16th in Bahrain and it was a very good performance from Mick despite the early spin at the beginning of the race. But he recovered well. He drove his race to, you know, a decent pace. I imagine from what the Huss is actually capable of, it's well and below par from everything else this season. And I expect that to be the case. They are meant to be bringing some updates to this race. So not anything significant. But I think just to make the lives a bit easier for their two drivers. And I think 16th could be as good as they finish this season. So I think a lot would have to happen for Nikita Mazepin to score a point outright in the Huss this season. It certainly would be one performance worth keeping an eye on. But um, yeah, I mean, what other predictions have we got? Um, anything related to the battle at the front, potentially? No, the main one I've got was about the uh, the Red Bull. Red Bull were one and third. Okay. You know, I think most, yeah, most of it was about Mazepin and Red Bull. Mm. What about Twitter? Uh, well, our Twitter followers um, have been engaging with us as well. So thank you for everyone that sent in. We had one from Max underscore 22 underscore 23. That's certainly a mouthful and a lot to type on Twitter. But he writes Yuki Sonoda podium. Now, that's not exactly a bad shout. Ignoring what happened in the Bahrain Grand Prix, you know, Sonoda a great recovery drive. He qualified so well inside the top 10. Unfortunately for him, he had that incident where he spun off earlier on in the race. It really compromised his race the same way as it did Pierre Gasly, who had that incident with Ricardo on the first lap. And unfortunately, Alpha Tauri probably were left kicking themselves because they probably realized they have a car that's capable of definitely challenging the likes of McLaren and Ferrari for the top spots in the midfield battle. And if obviously things do go their way in terms of issues happening for the Red Bull Mercedes, there's every chance that they have the pace to get on the podium and capitalise on those mistakes from the guys at the front. Yuki Tsunoda in particular, absolutely brilliant performance from him this weekend, at the Bahrain Grand Prix weekend. And I think we're expecting more of the same from him. And he's going to a track where he would have done more running than anywhere else except for obviously Bahrain at the Imola Grand Prix. So he'll be very excited and chomping at the bit to really get stuck into this venue and continue on his impressive recovery drive on Sunday. So I would not rule out a podium for him. I mean, I'm expecting the usual suspects to be competing for a podium. But of course, if anything happens, as it did last season with Max Verstappen's crash, I'm sure, hopefully, he'll be trying to put himself first in line to capitalise on that. Well, Yuki Tsunoda already seems to have that 
that fearless driving style that you kind of need to get a result out of nowhere. And I've noticed that the fan base have really taken a liking to him pretty soon. He's, he's pretty much the opposite of Mad's opinion. You know, he's, he's, he's the other rookie that's come in. But, you know, there, there's something about about his personality and also his, the combination of that and his driving style. And fans are really taking a liking to him. And that's why we're getting comments like that. People want to see Yuki do well, me included, to be honest. Mm, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. He's a breath of fresh air. Uh, certainly brings the enthusiasm to the paddock. And as I said, with the Japanese contingency behind him, it's obviously going to be a big bonus for someone like Yuki. And hopefully he can continue where he left off and put in another stellar performance. But this time, of course, fighting potentially for a podium, of course, rather than trying to get back into the top 10. Um, we also had one from Cloud in the Sky. Again, regular uh, follower on this podcast. So thank you once again for submitting your prediction. He goes, something crazy happens lap one resulting in at least one DNF. Well, I think that almost goes without saying because a track as narrow as Imler is, it's going to be very hard for these cars to negotiate round to turn one anyway. Of course, we had a lot of stuff going on last season where everyone was literally bunching up that Constantina effect, really playing havoc on these much wider Formula One cars than they very much used to be the last time we used to come to Imola on a regular basis. Um, so it's probably likely we're going to get something like that. Someone's going to snatch a break or be a bit overambitious mm. or try to make up too many places off the start, which might cause something which may lead to a DNF. It's very much possible. He also goes... Mazepin completes at least 50% of the Grand Prix before spinning and DNFing. Um, again, with the Mazepin thing, I think we might see a more mild-mannered uh, Mazepin at this race. He may not be too keen to just go racing with people. He might just be more interested in just having a quiet race and just getting that experience because the last thing you want on your debut is for it to last three corners. So of the course. next race, you really don't want to repeat that again. He'll want to make sure who at least completes the first lap, but of course completes the rest of them. I'd like to go back to the first point about the DNFs. Right. Before I say this, I obviously want all the drivers to end the race safely. But for this race to be interesting, we are going to need some DNFs and some safety cars because unfortunately, given the way this track is, it's very difficult to overtake in a race. Absolutely. So we're going to need safety cars to mess around with strategy, you know, because that's 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 the only way we're going to be seeing some true racing. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think there will be DNFs, but we are going to need a couple for this race hub to be interesting. I think the most entertaining part is going to be qualifying on the Saturday. Yeah, the Imola Grand Prix has always been known to be a difficult track to overtake on. And this is, as I said, in the history of F1, when we had much smaller, thinner cars back in the uh, early 2000s, when I remember Fernando Alonso and Michael Schumacher so vividly in 2006. It was one of the most incredible defensive pieces of driving I've ever seen for Fernando Alonso. Um, and, and it was the battle for the season between them two. That's kind of summed the championship up that year between them two. And the way that Fernando kept Michael back was incredible. So... Imagine how much more difficult it's going to be to overtake on a track like this with these cars so much wider. The only overtaking place I can think of is into turn one, which has been extended, of course, that long back straight now from the final corner all the way to turn one. So it's going to be interesting to see how much overtaking we'll get. But as you said, Courtney, we may need to rely on a safety car or a few surprise DNFs to try and spice up the action a little bit more. And, and we had that last season. So hopefully we'll get something like that again today. We've also got one from Ben Formula Wonderland. <laughs> That's a very, very clever handle. I like that. He writes an Alpha Tauri to beat a Red Bull. He doesn't specify which one. I'm guessing possibly expecting say Gasly maybe to beat Perez. I mean, Gasly, uh, if we can talk about him, had a difficult race in Bahrain, really struggled. He had his front wing taken off by Ricardo. Unfortunately, it was an unfortunate incident really. Um, and it, it really just compromised his race. It compromised Ricardo's race, but obviously not to the same degree. And he was never really able to recover after that. So going into this race, we know what Gasly can do. He impressed everyone in qualifying. He was blindingly quick in the Alpha Tauri. And this was a race last season where Danny Kvyat, the other Alpha Tower driver, really shone in a season which was mainly about Pierre Gasly's successes. How important will it be for Pierre Gasly to not only establish dominance in the team with Yuki Tsunoda impressing so many so quickly at this race, 
but also to convince potential suitors for next season that he is a driver worth bringing into their team if, of course, he isn't able to keep his Alfa Tauri seat in 2022? Well, yeah, he's in a vital um, part of his career because if it goes wrong and he gets dominated by Yuki Tsunoda, there might be questions of whether he should be keeping his seat at Alfa Tauri. But if he does well... You know, there are rumours flying about that he's going to replace um, Ocon at Alpine. I know it's bloody early to talk about these things, but that's how it goes. Mm. So if he does well, he'll probably end up going to Alpine. But yeah, he has to be careful. You know, this this sport's ruthless. You know, there's only 26 at this point. And there are plenty of drivers that would want to be having a seat in a midfield team like Alpha Tauri. I have no doubt that Gasly can bounce back immediately. But Yuki Sonoda is going to be a tough teammate for him, but it might push him to, you know, go to that next level because we have we've seen it last season. We saw some great drafts on um, Pierre Gasly. Mm. There's no doubt and he's capable of it, but he just needs to make sure that he doesn't let Yuki gain the initiative and he goes downhill the way he did at Red Bull. That's always a concern, but I reckon he'd be all right. Absolutely. And of course, at the venue of AlphaTauri's home, uh, home, really, their headquarters about 20 miles away. So the added incentive for Pierre to put in a strong, stellar performance that we know he's capable of and did so much last season will go a long way if he's able to do it this weekend and really assert dominance. Because as we said, AlphaTauri have a very strong car. So for all intents and purposes, we don't really know 100% where it sort of fits in the McLaren-Ferrari argument. We know it's in there somewhere. Where, we don't, we'll have to wait and see. The car looks very stable, looks very quick. Another beneficiary of the high-rate concept, which it seems the rules are really favoured this season. Those that have the high-rate concept, the likes of Red Bull, AlphaTauri, Ferrari to a degree as well. So... It, this should be a good track for them and a qualifying performance will be important here. I think it goes without saying that qualifying could be the critical factor this weekend. But if Gasly and Sonoda can deliver on a good result, which we think the car will be capable of, it will certainly do AlphaTauri a lot of good in their Constructors' Championship battle. It's so close and so exciting. It literally could come down to days like this where they capitalise on what they have rather than throw away points. Let's go to... The rest of our predictions, of course. Uh, thank you so much, everyone that's actually submitted in. If you want your predictions read out on the DNF1 podcast in future episodes, make sure to submit them. As I said, we will prompt you that we'll want your predictions in for future podcast episodes where we preview races. Definitely get them in now. You've got the handles below. No excuse. Get following us now. Um, right, so let's go into our predictions, Courtney. Now, obviously, before we go into the main meat of it, um, I was having a look online to try and see what teams were doing some updates. And our friends at Hot Lap Mode, these guys are absolutely brilliant. I'm glad they're still keeping the page going because there's so much insight that they offer on a technical level. So for those of you that love the technical element, definitely get the following these guys on social media. It's Hot Lap Mode, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. So thank you so much, guys, for the work you do. They've um, been scouring the internet as well for stories from teams that are bringing some upgrades to this race. So we're in the second race and it looks like we may end up being dragged into a development war. So um, I'm not going to go into details on what upgrades that are rumoured to be happening, but four teams are apparently rumoured to be bringing updates of some degree. Uh, that's Alpine starters. They're bringing apparently a big upgrade, a big package upgrade, which, um, you know, the teams will be bringing a big upgrade of some degree at some point this season it'll probably be the early races and i think teams will probably assess where they are and then go just stick with what they got and focus on 2022 um alpine obviously bringing a big package now alpine courtney it's going to be a big weekend for them the first weekend fernando alonso showing us all that he is certainly not lost that performance mm -hmm. he has, or at least if he has lost a little bit, it's very, very minuscule. Put in a brilliant performance in qualifying in the Alpine, uh, managing to get into the top 10 and also started the race very, very well and was cruelly robbed of some big points for Alpine after what was a sandwich wrapper managed to find itself into the side pods. I mean, I don't know about you, Corny, I never knew they had a Greg's in Bahrain. No, well, Summer managed to uh, find a way to his car. I mean, the chances of that. Yeah. You know, really unlucky for him. But as you've stated, mate, solid start by Fernando. And, you know, I, I stated in the pre-season videos, I had concerns that he might not be um, up, up to the level fitness-wise, but he's proven that he is. And that just gives us another reason to be excited about this season. 
Mm. And all the while, it's still while he's recovering from that fractured jaw he suffered earlier mm. on before pre-season testing. So fantastic effort from Fernando Alonso really is proven to be the Iron Man in Formula One at the moment. And uh, hopefully we'll see more similar performances, a track where he was relatively successful at when he raced here for Renault years ago, uh, when he won both his world championships, won both those races. So definitely a circuit he enjoys being at. And hopefully he'll put in another strong performance. Again, if it comes down to defensive driving, there aren't many people more difficult to pass than Fernando Alonso in a Formula One car. So if he can get a good qualifying lap in, it certainly will do go a long way for Alpine to score big points this weekend. Uh, his teammate, Esteban Ocon, he will need to up his game. I think it goes without saying. was very unfortunate that his race was compromised by Sebastian Vettel driving into the back of him. That being said, very much outclassed by his much more experienced teammate. Granted, it's Fernando Alonso. It's always going to be a tough ask. But this is a big season for Ocon. And he will need to demonstrate that he is more than capable of not only driving this car and getting the most out of it, but also convincing the Alpine team that he is the right driver, the right French driver, I might add, to build this team around for the future as Alpine have big plans and they will want the right personnel in that car to potentially challenge for championships in 2022. So, I mean, Courtney, how do you think he's going to get on this weekend? Well, he said he's already under pressure to improve. And for him on a personal level, if he was to get replaced by Pierre Gasly of all people, that would be a dagger to the heart for him because they, I'm not going to go into the details, but let's just say they're not friends at this point. So it would be, it would be pretty bad to go out in those circumstances. So he does, he needs to be putting in performances now because you go into around the middle part of the season and that's when the teams are already thinking about next season. So the next few races are vital for him. He needs to do a lot better than he has started. Well, than he did in Bahrain. Mm, absolutely agree and uh, it's a lot of pressure on him I, I mean I believe he can do it I absolutely feel convinced he's more than good enough to do it probably needs to find that something he had um, before that year off he took from well you know he's forced into a year out of Formula One because uh, issues regarding his seat at Renault at the time but he will need to refine that something he had back in those forced India days when he was battling with Sergio Perez, because that was an excellent driver in Esteban Ocon. And he hasn't really quite been able to find that form of yet, perhaps with the exception of the Sakir Grand Prix last season, where he managed to get on the podium. But other than that, very much needs to up his game. Hopefully he does, but we'll have to wait and see how that goes for him. Another team bringing an upgrade is Ferrari. Now, Ferrari apparently are bringing a small aerodynamic upgrade to their car. This is something that we expected them to do um, quite early on into the season. And as I said, Courtney, I don't know how much Ferrari are going to develop this 2021 car. They've got a lot more time to develop their car compared to their rivals with the ATR settings. I'm not going to go into that. But, you know, this is a good opportunity for Ferrari with a relatively good car, I think it's fair to say. And judging by the data that we saw from Bahrain, the real deficit to McLaren that you could find was mostly on the straights. Um, with the engine power. So there is still a deficit to the Mercedes engine, which is something we expected. But overall, if these aero upgrades do have the desired effect on a track like Imola, would you think it's fair to say that Ferrari could potentially be looking at being the best in the midfield this weekend? Or do you feel that it's practically neck and neck with them and McLaren? At this point, Ferrari already have the advantage given, again, the, the way the track layout is. Because... In a past season, since Ferrari really been struggling, we've seen a real leap in performance from Charles Leclerc on a Saturday because he knows it's vital to get that car as far up as possible to have a good race on a Sunday. And given that we've already said repeated times on this episode, it's almost impossible to overtake in normal circumstances. He will be able to put that car in a high position. And with the way that he's driving at the moment, he's definitely able to, well, take back home a good haul point. So... Charles Leclerc is going to be one of the drivers to watch out for this weekend, for certain. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned Charles because qualifying, as I said already, is going to be critical at Imola. And Charles qualified fourth in Bahrain on a circuit that you wouldn't say characteristically suits the Ferrari in any shape or form, given that the struggles that they've had with their engine performance and everything else, yet despite that, managed to nail it once again at this circuit as he did last season and get it on the second row of the grid. If he's able to do that again, 
there's every chance that he could capitalise and make sure he brings at least a top four finish. So Ferrari will definitely be hoping not only will these upgrades do the trick to give Ferrari an extra bit of performance on a track like here at Imola, but also Charles can deliver the goods once again. Um, on the subject of Ferrari, let's talk about Carlos Sainz, who I thought had a very good first race for Ferrari. I don't feel like a massive amount of expectation should have been put on him. I felt a top 10 finish would have been a good start. As I said, he's not had much running in this new car. He's a lot to learn, especially with the um, the amount of testing time being reduced. And the first race, as far as it went, it seemed like he was going from strength to strength as the race progressed on and finished in the top eight with only the Red Bulls, the Mercedes and the McLarens. And of course, his teammate finished ahead of him. I don't think you could ask for more than that for Carlos Sainz. Um, going into this race... The expectation is we'll take that next step forward. Would you like to see or expect to see Carlos really get more into the fight in this race with perhaps the McLarens and his teammate? And of course, expecting the Alpha Tauris to be a factor as well. See, with Charles Leclerc, he's been a little bit, he's kind of picks on a Saturday, whereas generally speaking, Carlos Sainz does a lot better on a Sunday. So I think this could be a track where Carlos could struggle in comparison to Charles. It could well be the case, but if anybody can pick up a good haul of points in a, in a messy race, is Carlos Sainz. So he'll be one of the drivers that will be hoping for a safety car too. Yeah, I mean, he did relatively well last year here, but of course him and Norris in the McLaren very much line astern of each other, but they were very much outmatched by the guys that finished ahead of him, the likes of the Red Bulls, the Mercedes, and of course the racing points as well. We should add that as well. Um, so it's it's a race where Carlos, as you mentioned, Courtney, on a Sunday will do well. Unfortunately for him, he kind of has to nail it in qualifying um, because that could determine where his race ends up one way or the other. Um, speaking of qualifying masters, um, let's go to Lando Norris and McLaren. Uh, now, McLaren, as far as we're aware, are not bringing any significant updates to their car. But again, coming off the back of a very good performance in Bahrain, where they certainly look the best of the rest in the midfield, how significant will qualifying be for Lando Norris? And do you feel that he is capable of delivering on that once again and finishing ahead of the Ferraris? He can. I've mixed opinions when it comes to um, Lando because, yes, he's had a solid start, but Danny Ricciardo is going to be chomping at the bit to make an impression at McLaren. And Danny Rick's one of those drivers that can pull a good lap out of the bag out of nowhere. So I'm expecting a feisty battle between the two McLaren drivers. But with McLaren, with the race itself, I think if you're not going to be at the, the sort of the peak of your power, should we say, like the limitations of your team, you need to be having a clean race. So this is a type of race where they just need to be avoiding any incidents, pick up as many points as they can, and then look forward to other races where they could potentially be um, going for podiums because McLaren could be in the mix of podiums this season. I, I really do think that's a possibility. I mean, before we go into Ricardo on this one, because I'm glad you brought him up as well, mm. do you feel that this is a race that McLaren should be looking at trying to perhaps nick a podium off the likes of Red Bull Mercedes? Or do you feel that it's more like they're, they're going to be looking over their shoulders at the likes of Ferrari, AlphaTauri, and possibly Alpine or Aston Martin as well? Yeah, I think I think Ferrari in particular. Well, Charles. I think I think I think Charles is going to be the main one to watch in terms of the uh, the midfield battle. Hmm. I think so. And if Mercedes and Red Bull are to be where we expect them to be, and with Charles there as well, you do the maths, it's going to be pretty difficult for them to get a podium in normal circumstances. But as I've always stated, they need to be having a clean race and then look to go for podiums in other races where they should be stronger. Yeah, it's a fair point. And I think in Daniel Ricciardo's race, it is a good opportunity to see what he can really do. Of course, he was hampered by that damage to his floor after that incident with Pierre Gasly on the first lap in Bahrain. So it really hindered his performance. We don't know if he'd have been able to get up with the likes of Leclerc and Norris. He certainly kept them honest, but with a damaged car, of course, that will certainly affect him. The last thing he wants is that floor trimmed down any more than it already has been. But McLaren do look like a very, very solid at the moment. So I have to wait and see how he gets on. But it's certainly encouraging for Ricardo at this point in time. Um, Let's go to another team now. Let's talk about Alfa Romeo. Now, the reason why I want to talk about Alfa Romeo is because they impressed a lot of people in testing. 
I think a lot of people were kind of writing their pace off a little bit in the sense that they were running a lot lighter than everyone else was. And there's probably some truth into that. But also they were running the Ferrari engine potentially at a higher power setting than their supplier team Ferrari, which gave us the impression that their race pace was very close to theirs. Of course, from what we saw in Bahrain, there was an element of truth to that because Ferrari was certainly higher up the field than we expected. And Alfa Romeo kind of settled into the back end of the midfield and they ended up finishing the race 11th and 12th Raikkonen ahead of Giovinazzi respectively which I think for all intents and purposes Courtney was a very very good result Raikkonen finished on the lead lap with Lewis Hamilton so certainly some pride in that how do you feel that this race could go for them because this was a race where they got two podium uh, two points finishes I should say in ninth and 10th they benefited from the incident where George Russell lost control of his car and threw away points for Williams in that race. And ultimately, it was what got them a top eight finish in the Constructors' Championship. Do you feel that Alfa Romeo could potentially get in the points again this weekend? Or do you feel that it might be a bit too much to ask, given the competition that we see? It's going to be hit and miss, given, you know, some of the drivers that we've all discussed. So you've got, you know, Mercedes, Red Bull, Alfa Tauri, McLaren, Ferrari. I've, they're the teams that I do expect to be ahead of them. So if all if all the drivers in front of them have clean races, it's going to be difficult. But they've got a car strong enough to pick up points if they if you know some of the drivers sort of tussle at the front. Mm, absolutely, and I think it's a good opportunity for them, who because I feel that they are very much not in the class C this season. I think they're at the very back of the midfield, and they certainly got the pace and a car underneath them with the improved engine from Ferrari, let's not forget that, that they can certainly challenge if the guys ahead of them have a bit of an off day. They're certainly not one to be ignored, um, as we'll see throughout the season. I certainly have no doubts about that. Um, We'll do a quick one on Williams as well. Uh, Not the best opening race for Williams. I think you would agree. George Russell finishing 14th, Latifi finishing last of all the runners that actually finished the race. Um, but George Russell, this is a scene where he had a lot of regrets last season. He was very much in the points towards the end. And of course, that mistake behind the safety car, really, really a hard one to overcome. Although we didn't realise that George Russell was going to end up in a Mercedes in a couple of weeks time after that, which kind of kind of put that one to the uh, wayside a little bit as we focused on bigger things. But this is a race where hopefully the conditions were a bit more calmer than they were at Bahrain, which should help with the Williams in terms of its peaky philosophy downforce setup. Do you feel that this is a race that George could try and go one better and get in the points? Or do you feel that he's going to need a lot to go his way this weekend in order to capitalise on that? Because the Williams itself doesn't really look that impressive. Um, but this might be a circuit where its downforce concept may actually raise it up the order rather than leave it straggling like it did in Bahrain. Well, all eyes are going to be on George again on the Saturday. Um, I think for two reasons. I think he's gone from the first circuit of the season where it, he probably feels cursed by rain to then go to the other one, which is Imola. Obviously, we all know what happened there. So I think for that reason, he's probably going to have a, fee- a feeling of self-redemption he's going to be aiming for going into this weekend. And he's also, he's another qualifying specialist. You know, he, he'll probably, it would surprise me if he gets him into Q2 again. But that probably won't be enough to get into the points. But if you're in a weak car, all you can do is make the most of the package that you have in order to catch eyes. Because for George, we all know, he's going to be looking for that seat Mercedes. So mm. Saturday is going to be big for him. If he puts in another eye-catching performance on a Saturday and puts himself in and in with a chance of getting the points on the Saturday, on, on the Sunday, then that's going to be good for his portfolio when it comes to getting that seat Mercedes. Absolutely right. And of course, that was his eighth Q2 appearance, I believe, in the last 18 rate or last 17 races. So probably less than that, really, if you think about it. But the statistics are there for George. Qualifying is definitely something that he is well known for. Mr. Saturday, the only driver to beat him in a qualifying session in his own team is Valtteri Bottas, of course, in that race as a Kier. But no one really remembers that too much, to be honest. It was more about a brilliant performance he put in on the Sunday. That being said, I, I think it's going to be a tough race for Williams, but hopefully the track conditions are a bit calm and it might suit their philosophy a lot better than it had done in Bahrain and possibly will do a few other circuits as well. But let's, let's be hopeful for Williams. Have to wait and see what they can do. Um, moving to another team, I think that probably needs to be a bit more hopeful this weekend is Aston Martin. Not 
the best start to the season for them. They probably expected a lot more. Otmar Zafna very much blaming the regulation changes, being targeted to hinder the low rate cars rather and also help the high rate cars to try and change the pecking order. First of all, Courtney, do you feel that there's much merit in that argument? Because uh, Aston Martin, formerly Racing Point, went from having the third fastest car to now arguably having the second worst car in the midfield. Perhaps the only one probably worse is the Alpine maybe, and the Alfa Romeo, I suppose, if you want. Um, do you feel there's much legitimacy to Otmar's argument? Do you feel he should be frustrated about this? Um, so I have mixed opinions on it. Um, I think, first of all, he probably doesn't have a right to be frustrated because he's probably the, the team will probably become a victim of what they've done last season by copying a lot of the concepts from the Mercedes. However, I do think there is some merit behind what he's saying. It's no secret when a team dominates Formula One, we saw it with Ferrari in 2005, we saw it with Red Bull in 2014. When a team is dominating, the, ver- the guys at the very top of Formula One and the team competing with them will do whatever it takes to stop that team from dominating. We've seen several attempts of, um, of them trying to do it to Mercedes in 2017, 2020. Didn't quite work out, but it seems that they've found a way to change the the regulations in order to hinder Mercedes. And also, with that happening to Mercedes, it's going to have a knock on effect with Aston Martin. So I, I think they have. I think I think the teams in the FIA have done a job on Mercedes. But the difference is Mercedes aren't whinging about it. That's a fundamental no. difference. No, that's absolutely right. And everyone's kind of making that excuse for Mercedes to explain their deficit to Red Bull in Bahrain, despite the fact that they won the race. And mm. Mercedes have pretty much just gone on record and saying, well, look, we can't t- change our car concept to suit these exactly. new regulations. We have to just work around them as the best we can. And there's nobody better in the business right now doing that than Mercedes in the last seven years or so. So, you know, Aston Martin, I can understand their grievances on this, but the fact that Mercedes have said that there are things they can do to work around it shows that there is scope that Aston Martin probably could have done over the winter break, or perhaps they didn't anticipate in the same way Mercedes did that it would have this much of an effect on them. We'll have to wait and see. But otherwise, it's not the best start for them. I think they're definitely going to have to up their game as they're certainly not the best of the rest anymore already. Um, They've slipped quite far down, actually. But um, let's talk about the drivers for this weekend. Lance Stroll, otherwise a good performance from him. I, I think that despite the issues Aston Martin were having in preseason testing and in the race and everything else, Lance pretty much went about his business and ultimately got a championship point. May have got two if it weren't for Yuki Tsunoda's overtake on the final lap of the race. How do you feel this weekend's going to go for Lance Stroll? Because right now, there's not many question marks over Lance. He's very much doing what he's expected to do and driving pretty well. So will we expect something similar from him this weekend where he just goes about his business and perhaps delivers a few points? Or do you feel that this may be a difficult weekend for him? I reckon he's going to have a quiet weekend, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think, you know, he needs he needs some solid weekends underneath the radar to get some solid points because... The problem he has, we've said it so many times, is that he has that stigma attached to him because of his dad. So all he needs to do is do his talking on the track. So if he has a few quiet weekends, pick up some solid points in a car that isn't performing too well, that can only do good for him going forward. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, This moves to Sebastian Vettel, of course, a driver who has otherwise had a difficult opening weekend, a weekend he probably would not have wanted to have since his move from Ferrari to Aston Martin to seek pastures new and, of course, the right start to a new challenge, which he hasn't had of yet. If anything, he's been hit by obstacles and stumbling blocks and a lot of things completely out of his control and he's had to do his best to work around them. Um, I, I was doing a discussion on a podcast not long ago about Sebastian Vettel and the topic come up that is there a concern at Aston Martin that whilst Vettel is supposed to be the benchmark for how good this car can actually be, they rely on him to be that blueprint, if you like, rather than Lance Stroll. Is there a fear, a legitimate fear, that Vettel may not be able to live up to that mantra that's been set on him? Or do you feel that this is something temporary and Vettel will be able to get the best out of this car once he's a lot more up to speed with it? Sebastian Vettel is in the same category as Ocon. He needs to be putting in some good performances. 
There's no doubt when he's able to. But what happened in the last race was the concerns that Sebastian Vettel fans had that it could have a continuation of happen at Ferrari. I certainly hope that's not the case. I want to see him turn it around. You know, a few seasons ago, I would have laughed at it, but no, I, want, I, want to see, I want to see him get back to a decent level. He, again, he's capable of it. I want to see him get there. But, you know, a thought came to me, actually, as you were talking about Sebastian Vettel. You know, earlier on, we discussed George Russell potentially going to Mercedes. If George Russell goes to Mercedes, I think Aston Martin will probably be the most likely destination for Valtteri Bottas. So if George does get that seat, I think Sebastian Vettel's um, future could be in danger. So he, he's, he's in the same position as Ocon. He needs to put in some strong performances, but he's more than capable of doing it. Mm, and Aston Martin certainly need Sebastian Vettel to bring his A game. I, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that Sebastian Vettel, for all of his qualities in a Formula One car, is not a driver that naturally can get into a car and extract the performance out of it straight away. There's a, there's a very, very exclusive breed of drivers that can actually do that. And Seb is mm. certainly not one of them, despite his success. So hopefully he can get up to speed very, very soon. I mean, I'll happily die on the hill to defend Seb Vettel, but this is definitely not the fairy tale honeymoon period he would have en- liked to enjoy at Aston Martin. It certainly does require um, results and very, very quickly if Aston Martin are going to challenge to be one of the best t- of the rest uh, as McLaren and Ferrari certainly look like they are going to be leading that fight at the moment. Um, speaking of leading the fight, Courtney, let's talk about our two leading protagonists, the two teams that practically majority of F1 fans are interested in at the moment, the battle at the front. Um, let's go to Mercedes first before we talk about Red Bull. Mercedes still reveling in their otherwise brilliant performance on Sunday at the Bahrain Grand Prix, a track and a performance that probably not a lot of people gave them enough credit for and also perhaps a performance that they themselves may not have believed was possible but nonetheless pulled off a great strategy have really affected the direction of the race based on what they did with Lewis Hamilton bringing him in early and of course Lewis certainly did the rest with his defensive driving how confident are Mercedes feeling going into this race because they won the first round at Bahrain a round perhaps they probably shouldn't have done but did anyway do you feel that they will feel as confident that they can pull off the same sort of result here? Or do you feel that this is a track with its characteristics, with the regulation changes, certainly favouring Red Bull and the issues that Mercedes have had to face as a result? Do you feel Mercedes can do it again? Or do you feel that they may put this one down to Red Bull and Max Verstappen's race to lose? If Mercedes are to win this race, they're going to have to rely on their tactical now. yet again, in order to do it. This is an extreme of what we experienced in Bahrain. This track will suit Red Bull even better. And for the 27th time in this episode, the race is usually decided on a Saturday. Well, we should do a little drinking game for that remark. But anyway, with that in mind, Mercedes will have to pull something out of the bag again when it comes to strategy. And they're going to be one of the teams hoping for a couple of safety cars to spice it up. Because given everything we've seen in testing and what we saw in Bahrain, and given what happened there, Red Bull and Max in particular are going to be very hungry to turn this around and put, and put themselves back in the championship contention. So the most negative part of me is expecting a Red Bull 1-2. I don't quite believe that deep down, but I wouldn't rule it out. No, that's fair enough. And I think not much needs to be really said on Lewis Hamilton that we don't already know. I mean, Lewis is going to go into this race with the first win of the season under his belt, a win he probably felt wasn't very likely. So you'll certainly be reveling in confidence after nailing and delivering that first blow on Max Verstappen and Red Bull as far as the championship is concerned. Valtteri Bottas's situation is a little bit different. Of course, he had those issues in the first race where uh, that slow pit stop really took him out of contention for the race win. Not in fairness that I felt he practically was the protagonist in it. I think it was either going to be Lewis or Max. Do you feel that Valtteri is going to play more of a significant role in this race? Or do you feel perhaps his um, desire, I should say, to try and be the leading Mercedes driver with his own career hanging in the balance? Will that be a hindrance to Mercedes overall plan in terms of trying to beat Red Bull this weekend? At this point, I reckon Mercedes are going to play a split strategy. I think that's what they're going to do because on raw pace, it's very, very unlikely they're going to beat Red Bull. So I reckon they're going to try two completely different strategies with their drivers. 
to try and confuse Red Bull. So yeah, I reckon, I reckon, who knows, Bottas could come and have a strong weekend. But at this very point, I reckon Mercedes will be using him as a tactical pawn rather than going for the race win using Valtteri. And that's a very, very good point. Um, whether Valtteri plays to that so early in the season, we'll have to wait and see. But it certainly is a dynamic that I think we should not ignore at all because the last thing Mercedes want is a driver that's not willing to get behind the lead driver, especially this early in the season when every point could prove to be critical in this championship battle. Mercedes certainly will not have it all their own way. Um, but then Red Bull have a similar dynamic. We shouldn't forget, of course, Sergio Perez driving for the Red Bull team this season alongside Max Verstappen. I'm going to ask you the same question regarding Red Bull, Courtney, because Red Bull are bringing a big package this weekend from what we understand. So the development war certainly already taking shape. How many battles that actually has this season, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, Red Bull will certainly not want it to go on too long. They'd like to have a car that's out and out the best car by some distance and then just roll with that and focus on next year, as Mercedes would too. They're certainly not going to give up this season if there's a chance that they can win it. But in Red Bull's mind, Last weekend, the issues that befelded Perez, i.e. in qualifying and also the electronics issue in the race, kind of took him out of the fight that Red Bull may have needed him for to kind of cover off Lewis's earlier strategy to really give him something else to think about rather than having to deal and put Max in to cover Lewis off, which of course they didn't do. They may have pit Perez earlier to try and hinder Lewis. But do you feel that with Perez needing to put a strong performance together for Red Bull, may become more of a hindrance to Max's race? Or do you feel that this is exactly what Red Bull will need to try and get stuck into the Mercedes now with two cars effectively fighting them rather than just their lone Dutch Ranger? But the difference when it comes to Red Bull is that the main weapon they have with Perez is that he's very good at looking after the tyres. Unfortunately for them, so is Lewis. In one of our preview shows, one of our preview shows when we had Leon, you know, Lee made a really good point that Perez is so good at looking after his tyres that on a good day, he could potentially challenge Max. Now, that's, that's good for the battle itself. But the strong point that comes with Perez is also the strong point that comes to Lewis. So I think in that sense, I think it's an advantage to Mercedes. But at this point, mate, I, I can't see anything else but seeing Max dominating the race. So I, I think at the very front, it could actually be quite boring. I think Max could could well run away from it. But that's why we do need a bit of a scruffy race with a couple of safety cars to give us something to look forward to. Absolutely. I think the one thing that I really loved about 2017 and 2018, despite the fact that Red Bull were clearly the third best team running their own race at the best of times, Max did get in there on occasion, as did Ricardo. that's fair to say as well, is that we had really the out-and-out battle between Ferrari and Mercedes. Now, granted, most weekends, it was mostly Vettel, versus the two Mercedes. Raikkonen yeah. really wasn't at the pace most of the time. He did have his days, like, of course, at the US Grand Prix where he won. But I remember the British Grand Prix in 2018. And there was a segment at the end of the race where the safety card come out, it bunched the field together, and we had the top four cars all drive away. We had Bottas leading, Vettel second, Hamilton third, and Raikkonen fourth. It was a real out-and-out battle between the two Ferraris and Mercedes. And I remember Martin Brundle on commentary putting great emphasis on this by shouting, this is what we wanted. The two top teams, both of their drivers fighting each other, four of them fighting for the win. It was brilliant. Of course, ultimately won by Seb Vettel, but it was brilliant to see. This is what we want in this fight between mm. Red Bull and Mercedes. Yes, we want Max duking it out with Lewis, but Valtteri and Perez respectively have to be in the mix too. They are certainly not, in their opinions, and I think a lot of opinions too, the supporting act. These guys are certainly in this championship fight as well. They have the cars. They're certainly good enough. So there's no excuse as to why they should feel that they are going to be just backups to Lewis and Max respectively. So I sincerely hope that in this race, and this is a good venue to see this, where we get the four of them, Linester, the top four, just fighting it out of each other to see which one of them is going to win. Because right now, Courtney, the championship is up for grabs for any of them. Mm. We've emphasised Max and Lewis so much because we all believe that they're going to be the two fighting for this championship, purely because we know that overall they're better than their teammates. But Perez and Bottas have such a big role to play. And I don't think the teams are going to be amiss to trying to hold them back, at least not now. So... 
that's going to be what the size of the constructors championship as close as we reckon it's going to be hmm. the, the points that Perez and Bottas pick up respectively could be what, what what really makes the difference because I reckon it would be close between Max and Lewis yeah and I think in Max's case of course he'll certainly be chomping at the bit for this race he himself said that he felt the team was not aggressive enough on strategy I wholeheartedly agree with that I felt that Red Bull uncharacteristically found themselves in the position where they realize it's very easy to alter a strategy of your opponents when you're chasing. But when you're in the lead, you have to protect your strategy. You have a plan that you set out of how you want to manage this race. And I don't think many plan A's involve Mercedes pitting early to affect your strategy and you have to cover them off. I'm pretty sure they plan A is to manage the race and not have to worry about the guys behind. So Max will certainly be hoping that if Mercedes try and pull that trick again, Red Bull are much more aggressive in trying to cover that off, or at least let Max do what he feels he needs to do and go out there and make sure he wins that race because Max possibly could have done it either through the original strategy or keeping the place against Lewis with that overtake outside track limits and try and cover off the penalty he would have got. We don't know. Um, It's all word of mouth until you actually see it. But in this race, I think Red Bull know they've got the car with the upgrade that they're bringing. They may have more of an advantage on this track. They might have more of an advantage as well. But they're certainly there feeling confident and they have to win. In my mind, Bahrain was potentially a track that they possibly thought they should have won. But it's not the end of the world. Imola, on the other hand, is a track where I feel they have to be very confident. And if they don't win here and Mercedes get the result they are certainly going to be very worried that Mercedes may end up pipping them to the championship in a season where they may have the best outright car. It's certainly all to play for. But before we wrap this all up, Courtney, let's go to our final predictions. I'm going to ask for your top three finishers in the mm. race. Who are you going for this weekend? Right. This is why I mentioned this at the start. The, the lads that um, from the Will to Will podcast, I'm going to completely agree with them. I think it's going to be Max first, Lewis second, and Perez third. Yep, I think that's a sensible prediction. I think a lot of people are going to go for that. To play devil's advocate here, I'm going to be a bit more controversial. I said on the um, on a podcast that I was on earlier this week, I think Red Bull should really feel confident that they can get a one-two this weekend. I think qualifying is going to be the critical factor. Perez is a very good qualifier and I think it was very unfortunate to miss out in Q3 in Bahrain. I just don't think Red Bull anticipated the spread of the pack being so thin and that's ultimately what cost Perez. Not necessarily not doing a good lap. Everyone else just did a very good one. Um, I think this weekend is going to certainly suit Red Bull a lot more and I feel for the race itself, Perez will show the qualities that he showed in his recovery drive. He certainly looked quick, um, which is a good thing. So I'm going to go Max first, Perez in second and Hamilton in third place. Probably not a popular one, but I feel like it's justifiable for the reasons I've given. But hey, that's my opinion. That's well. We love F1. Everybody has them. Let us know, of course, in the comment section, guys, what your predictions are. Give us your top three and any other outlandish predictions that you may have for this race. We certainly love to engage and hear from you guys. So definitely keep getting those in. And of course, if you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to like it and subscribe to the DNF1 channel on YouTube. We've got much more content coming your way this season. And It's certainly going to be a barnstormer of a season. I certainly cannot wait to see what this next instalment has in for us this weekend at the Bahrain Grand Prix. But of course, uh, I was expecting some final words from you there, Courtney. No, no, no. Certainly, uh, better myself, mate. Missed my cue on that one there, but uh, anyway, yeah, um, not a problem at all. I've pretty much summed it all up. So, uh, in that case, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Stay safe, and we will see you in the next episode of the DNF One F One podcast, where we will do our race review. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Max for Red Bull this time, or will Lewis reign supreme in Imola? Of course, will it be someone else? We'll have to wait and see. Until then, guys, take care. Podcast Network.